Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. And I'm Joe. This is one of our <laughs> this is one of our favorites. Yes, we Kim. Lo- we love Kim. Uh, we love Click and Carry. It makes uh, schlepping a bunch of stuff easy. Kim Mackwood, Click and Carry, Season Twelve, Episode Eight, December Eleventh, Twenty Twenty. Yep. All right. So, Click and Carry. How would you describe it? You know, it, it gives you the ability, and and I've had this problem. You've had this problem. Everyone has. You go to a store grocery store, you've got all those bags, and you are you don't have enough fingers for all those bags. Click and Carry makes it easy to attach a large number of bags to each other so that you can carry it to your car, not trip and fall, not lose your bananas. Again, wonderful product, makes life easier. So it goes into Shark Tank asking 225000 for 15%, yep. uh, sells the product for $9.99, a uh, little over a dollar to make it. Um, also working a full-time gig selling medical devices, yeah. so busy woman. Which was a problem for some of the sharks. All, always is. <laughs> uh, lifetime sales of 625000 Last 12 months have been 70000 She's been selling it for five years at the time of airing. So she goes into the tank, and obviously the, uh, the sharks had some comments on this being a product, not a business. You hear that a lot on Shark Tank. You know, you're, you're not an operator yet, but you're an inventor. Inventors are dreamers, blah, blah, blah. But Cuban and Barb um, actually stepped up, loved the product, loved Kim, and there was a deal to be had. So this was, this was a successful appearance on Shark Tank when, in the face of it, there were several sharks that thought that it just wasn't an investable product. Yep. So let's get to our interview with Kim. All right. We're here with Kim of Click and Carry. Kim, welcome to Outside the Tank. Thanks so much for having me. It's so fun to be here. We, we are so excited to have you. We have so much to ask you about. Um, but first, we want the full story on where the idea from Click and Carry came from. Oh, boy. So this is interesting. My idea actually came in a dream. So I used to have this amazing boyfriend. And when we broke up, I had to carry my own groceries. It's a pain in the butt and they're heavy. <laughs> and I was eating out all the time, starting to get chubby. So I, I knew I had to come up with a solution. And I really think that our minds are so powerful. I knew what I wanted. And peripherally, I think I picked up things throughout the day and I was sleeping. I had a dream. And I think it, this this happens in dreams, at least with me, I think that I'm finally, finally relaxed and my brain allows me to come up with the answer. And the answer appeared to me in a dream. In fact, so this is click and carry. And in my dream, it was just the bottom portion of click and carry. It just looked like a boomerang and the concept worked. And when I made my first prototype, it was fantastic. It actually did the job. The, the bad news is when you set it down, the bags would pop out. So I knew that I needed a top. So that 
brought upon my second iteration, which was a two-piecer with a magnet in the middle. And that worked well. It, it did the job, but I knew that if people had two pieces, they're going to lose one of the two pieces. God forbid a kid could get their hands on it and get hurt somehow. So I came up with the the next iteration and believe it or not it was inspired by a barrette i used to put my hair in a in a clip and the clip kind of looked like this actually and it was spring-loaded so i knew i needed something that looked similar and that's how the current version of click and carry was born because what happens is it twists and then you can easily load and unload your bags and um, it allows for even distribution of weight and you can't see it, but there's a male and female part which locks the top into place. So then once you hear the click sound, your bags are secure. So even if you have to set your bags down to unlock your door, you don't have to regather five or six loose bags. You just grab your handle and boom, you're on your way. So, that so was if you're if you're not watching this, if you're listening to this, this is a very, very and, and by the way, on the show they said schlepping made easy, which I thought <laughs> was great. I don't know how many times my wife would call me. I'm outside. We have. And you'd hit ignore. And I hit. Well, no, I actually. Yeah, I'm I outside. Please. But this thing, you could throw it over your shoulder. It's just so cool. I, I, I hope everyone has a chance to, to go to your site. We'll ask them to do that later. But so this came to you in a dream. And I remember you saying on the on the uh, uh, show, you said, I have other inventions too. So you're really an inventor at heart. This I stuff am. is just in your head. I've always been that way. Even as a kid, I was kind of mini MacGyver. I remember one time I was playing with my best friend, AJ, and we decided we wanted to catch a bird. So we um, figured out a way to catch a bird with, of course, the breadcrumbs like in the cartoons, and we caught a beautiful cardinal. We, of course, released the <laughs> cardinal, but I've always been this way. I've always been an inventor, and my first real invention was when I was about 15. I invented, it was a waterbed raft, and just imagine um, those little kid pools with the three inflation tiers. It's basically that, but in a rectangular shape, and underneath it, it would be attached to the equivalent of um, two ropes with Clorox bottles filled with sand. So you can you could station yourself in the pool to face the sun and get a perfect tan. Of course, a 15-year-old <laughs> girl would invent that. But that was my first invention, but my mom wouldn't give me the money for a patent. And then sure enough, a few years later, it was on the shelves at a pool store. And she said, see, I should have, would have, could have. And so, uh, so never again. <laughs> So where, what year, I guess, did the idea come from? How long did it take to develop a prototype? Uh, and then when did you end up on Shark Tank? I just want to understand the timeline. Oh boy, it's a long one. So um, hope, sadly, we're not going to give young entrepreneurs motivation with this answer, but <laughs> sometimes, sometimes um, no pain, no gain. So the idea came in probably about 2010. And um, at the time, I was working for a pharmaceutical company, and I always work with neurology. I work with movement disorder specialists who work with Parkinson's patients, essential tremor patients, and dystonia patients. So um, I would talk about my idea all the time. And there's one girl who was actually one of my best friends. Her name is Jennifer Huey. She's at USC. And um, I would sketch her my idea because at the time, the drug I was selling was just an old gold standard. There wasn't a lot to talk about. It was 
a really good trick from the pharmaceutical company to get us to be, have great relationships with the doctors because they were launching a new product. And this was a great way in. It was just, um, it was called a uh, Parcopa, which was a slight modification to cinnamon, which is what every Parkinson's patient utilizes daily. So anyway, there wasn't a lot to talk about. So we talked about family. I talked about my invention and Jennifer said, Kim, will you shut up and stop talking about it and do something about it? So I listened to her. I did. And um, at the time she was living in Pasadena and she had a neighbor who had just invented this special bag. She was um, the neighbor. She was attending the Pasadena Design School, which is an amazing school for usually um, car designers, animation specialists. And she was getting her master's of, of product design. She was super smart. So I hired her because one, I didn't have an I didn't have access to a CAD printer. Number two, I didn't know how to to um, configure an item in a CAD printer. So I needed her help. And I was going to say, if I put you in front of one, you still wouldn't have known how to use it, even if one was sitting in your living room. Okay. Exactly. I desperately needed her help. And um, she worked with me through nine different iterations. Um, she, I'm surprised she still talks to me because I always have different ideas and ways to change it. But she was fantastic. And um, when we came upon the ninth one and it was the winner, that's when I decided to have a mold made to make sure that it was a working prototype. And there were a few changes. So we made some mod modifications. Um, I was able to change the mold. And then once I had the winner, that's when I went and applied for a patent. And at the time we were in a, a recession. So there weren't a lot of people at the USPTO. So it took almost three years for my first invention to get a utility patent. And then the second one, which was an improvement, only took about a year and a half. So then I was free to talk about the product. Um, it was so I, all the while I was working a full-time job, job, I had moved on to a company called Medtronic and I sold a product called a deep brain stimulator, which is a pacemaker for the brain for a Parkinson's patient. And um, I loved the job. It was amazing, but this was my passion. And it was, gosh, 2013 at this point, and um, I ended up getting breast cancer. And luckily, it was early stage. I took care of it quickly. I found out in February, I was on the operating room table the next two, two weeks later. Then I was on the operating room table again about two weeks after that to clear the margins. Um, I decided not to do any therapies because my chances were slim that it would come back. Thank God. And um, I had to stay with the company until the end of the year because I needed to have reconstructive surgery. I needed their amazing insurance and I needed to stockpile a bunch of money, which is what I did. And um, I left at the end of that year and I went full force into clicking carry and um, I, I, I just took a risk, which was kind of crazy to go from having a nice income to having no income at all. But um, what happened next, it was a long, long time coming, but I tried to sell it wherever I could, whether it be at the flea market at the Pasadena Rose Bowl or at farmers markets. And eventually I was about to give up and I decided to take, take one last roll of the die when it was almost time for me to run out of money. And I went to the Home and Houseware Show in Chicago, which was amazing. The Home and Houseware Show had a special little area for 
um, entrepreneurs. It was called Inventors Corner. And I set up a display. I had a whole lot of people come to my booth and a whole lot of interest. But the best part is that uh, we were able to pitch to some big companies like QVC, HSN, SkyMall, some companies from Europe, grocery chains. Um, and what happened was, unbeknownst to me, QVC really liked it. They contacted another entrepreneur who is a guest shark that you two know, Bethany Frankel. Yes. And um, she was doing a segment on um, called Bethany and Your Business for Female Entrepreneurs. And... Um, her show was ending. So I guess she wanted to go out with a bang and she called QVC and asked if they knew of any amazing female entrepreneurs. And luckily QVC mentioned me and I went on and ended up with a contract with QVC. So that was my big start in, <laughs> in uh, selling Click and Carry. What made you take the risk to quit the day job and, and actually do this thing um, and, and, try to make a living at it. What, what was going through your mind or what tipped the scales to, to make you want to take that risk? I think that's a great question. I think when you're faced with a situation where you don't know if you're going to live or die, you realize how fragile life is. And I just had to take a chance. So I did. I, and luckily in my case, it was caught early. And that's why I tell all those girls, go out and get your mammograms. But, um, no, I just decided that then and there it was time to take a risk because I have nothing to lose. I, I, I was good at my job, so I could always go back or get another job in the same field. So I decided to go for it. Sadly, a few years later, I did have to go back, but now I'm full-time again with Click and Carry. Well, I, that's one of the things I was going to ask you because at the time of recording the show, you were working back in the medical field, right? I sure was, yes. Okay. But and now you're full-time again. Yes, I left in October of this year. Um, in fact, as you may know, um, Alex and I shot together. I shot last year. I didn't make it to air. I was devastated. And I think it was because the day I filmed, the last person who made it to air was the girl who filmed before me, um, this um, amazing girl, Lou, from Slumberpod. And they actually were bumped up because they had a child in their pitch. And because of California child labor laws, I know, I guess I wish I had a kid with me. That would have been the key. Um, because of California labor laws, they bumped me. And um, I don't know if that was the reason. Who knows why I didn't make it to air, but I didn't make it to air and I was devastated. So, um, so I stayed at my job and I um, interestingly ended up getting a call from the executive producer and I didn't realize it was the executive producer. He's amazing. His name is Clay Newbell. And he called to tell me I didn't make it to air and I didn't hear who it was. And I asked him a million questions. Well, why didn't I make it? Did I do this wrong? What can I do to change your mind? Blah, blah, blah. And he finally said, listen, I can't disclose all this information. I'm really sorry. I think he was, I think he was devastated for me. And um, fast forward to May, we're in COVID and he calls me again and I, I didn't answer the phone, but I could tell in the voicemail that he was smiling. So I called him right back and I, I felt like he had some good news for me and he did. ABC had bought my episode and um, I was just absolutely thrilled. So I spent the summer and all my spare time prepping for the show and getting a 3PL in place and accounting and everything I needed in place. And then fast forward to September, they ended up filming Shark Tank 
quarantined at a hotel in Las Vegas. So I thought I was going to get bumped again, but thank goodness I didn't. And I aired on December 11th. Again, I think, I think Clay might be my little guardian angel because that couldn't have been a better time. It was just in time for Christmas stocking stuffers and Hanukkah. And it was a phenomenal experience. And I I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to be on Shark Tank. The two, two part question. Number one is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but once you knew you were going to air, it forced you to really get organized and, and be ready to scale. And then tell us what those first couple days were like once it aired, how did your life and how did the business change? Oh my gosh. Well, it, it, it was incredible. First of all, one, once it aired, um, the, the sales were phenomenal. I, I can't even believe it. I, 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 tripled my sales in 10 days because of the exposure from the show. It was just incredible. Um, let's see, my neighbor surprisingly doesn't hate me. My phone rang off the hook for about three days. And luckily I had a 3PL to handle all of my shipping. Um, interestingly though, with Amazon, I had just a small amount of inventory I was allowed to send in because I didn't have a huge history. So luckily I had the 3PL to handle my overage. I sold almost $300,000 worth of product in wow. those 10 days. And it's a small <clears throat> item. My average cart size was about $34, which is incredible. That means it, people ordered three at a time. Right. And um, it was it, it was just life altering. And I ended up getting offers from people to sell it in South Africa and Australia and Japan. So it's it's been really an incredible experience. And I'm again, I'm so thankful. I don't mean to be redundant, but this was the opportunity of a lifetime. So let me go backwards for a second um, in what was taped and, and aired. Uh, obviously, some sharks took some shots at you. <laughs> and, yeah, they sure uh, did. <laughs> wonderful, uh, and of course, you were still part time in the business, working in the medical field full time. But he said it's going to be hard to get my money back. This is a hobby. You're in the eighth inning. Uh, Robert said, you know, you got to hustle. This is too low priced a product. Uh, Lori complimented you, called you a dreamer, but said your ass was too big. I, I think she was referring to your valuation. But there were two sharks that loved you. So. What can you share about the deal and the evolution of that deal? Oh, boy. So sadly, the deal hasn't closed. It's not completely dead, at least with Mark Cuban, but it, it, it is no longer valid with Barbara. But the two of them have been amazing. I didn't work directly with either one of the sharks, except for through, through email, and I'll explain in a minute. But Barbara's pe people in particular, Michael Stevenson has been incredible and continues to help me to this day. I didn't have the same fantastic um, uh, relationship with Mark's guy, but Mark's guy is super smart and, and very, very helpful, very, very smart fi with financials and with numbers. Um, but recently I actually, Right before the episode aired, I shot them both an email because I had a few questions for both of them. And I 
interestingly enough, I have a neighbor who's close friends with Mark Cuban. So he gave me his email. So I actually emailed Mark directly, <laughs> but I, inc- <laughs> I included, um, I included Mark's guy because I didn't want to overstep my boundaries and I owed him the res- that respect. And I do respect him. Um, he's like I said, a brilliant, brilliant guy. But I reached out to both of them and Barbara's guy reached back to me immediately. And I asked if um, I could send them my numbers post show, which I did. I asked them about a contest I had entered for Lowe's in the contest. Damon John was the spokesperson. And I asked if they could put in a good word for me. And um, the third thing I asked was advice on a pitch deck that I had put together for Walmart. I, I'm in a women's group called WBENC. So I'm considered a minority owned business as a woman. And um, Walmart was one of the judges and they loved the product. So they asked me for a pitch deck. So I asked them to review it. So as a result, um, Barbara's guy got back to me within the hour and um I said, of course, I would love to have your um, your numbers, and um, I'll ask Barbara if she'll talk to Damon on your behalf. And um, sh- they didn't have an opinion about M- Walmart. Um, Mark wrote back to me the very next morning. It was that I woke up to a, 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 an email from Mark Cuban, which was amazing. That was one of the highlights of my life because I just love him. I think he's amazing, yeah. and. Um, it, it was no fluff. I was hoping for some fluff, like, hi, Kim, how are you doing? None of that. It was, listen, Kim, this is a lot of, this is a lot of information. They just want to hear where you're selling and where you're selling well, which was great advice. And then later that day, I heard from Mark Sky. So, um, so I have, I have this communication now with Mark and, um, and as a result of the show, I'm in this group on Facebook with other Shark Tank people. So one of his other, um, companies that he invested in, she has taken me under her wing, and um, and uh, I'm making a quick little video for Mark. So I hope that he'll eventually be my partner. I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna give up because I I really want him as a partner. I think he's awesome. Yeah, we've heard nothing but but good about all the sharks, and whether the deals happen or not, there's certainly a, a lot of value in many ways being on the show from an exposure and sales standpoint. What you've learned, the conversations you have. I'm curious, um, your capitalization table now, are you completely bootstrapped? Do you have any angels involved? Um, I'm, I am bootstrapped, but I do have a benefactor who really wants to be my partner. And I'm, I'm really considering because he's amazing. He's helped me quite a bit in the past as well. He's loaned me money at a really great rate. And I always pay him back quickly. In fact, I owe him some money now. Um, he's, I, I, I keep thinking about it. I need to find a really awesome thank you card or maybe send him some chocolate-covered strawberries too. But um, he's been amazing. And I know that if I need money, I could always go to him. But um, I really would like a partner who could dive in and help me with the business. And if he's interested in that, I'm going to move forward with that. He's just an amazing person, but it has been easy for me to get money. Um, I just haven't taken any except for loans. For example, I pitched locally to the tech coast angels and the Pasadena angels, and they've both made offers to me, but I've never accepted their offers because they were really rich offers considering they weren't real sharks and I wouldn't get the exposure necessary. But, um, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I printed this out because it really made my day. There's another guest shark who wrote a little story about me. Um, Matt Higgins, the guest shark who is the GM of the Miami Dolphins. He wrote, hopefully I could read this without my glasses. Um, 
persist is to prevail. It's that simple. Imagine you went all in on your dreams for years and took six massive swings to bring in an investor only to be flatly rejected each time. And after the sixth try, you said, I've had enough. From this day forward, I'm going to shelve my ambition and accept that the universe has no greater plan for me. But what if you had just picked yourself up off the floor just one more time What if you heeded the voice in your head that said, they are wrong, they must exist. I believe the masses will see what I see if only the the world would open their eyes. And then on the seventh swing, you made the connection of a lifetime. And that's what happened. I love that. Isn't that cool? I it it's very inspiring, and I I actually look on his LinkedIn every day for words of wisdom. I think he's pretty great too. He is, and and you and you're pretty great. You remind me of of people we've talked to, these great entrepreneurs we've interviewed. You're another person who just won't take no for an answer. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no, it's just no for now. You yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> What's your vision for the company? Where do you see this thing in three to five years? So my plan, um, my plan is to either have a whole conglomerate of items, and moving forward with my brand or selling it off. Um, I have a projection that in five years, I will reassess that. And interestingly, when I do my projections, my way to create real value for clicking Curie is in retail. I need to be in about 6,000 doors. That's the key. And I'm happy to say with that, with that Lowe's contest, I didn't win mentorship from Damon John, but I did win a spot at Lowe's.com and they're going to give me a test in some other stores because that's this is great. ideal for paint. Yeah, that, that's great. Mm-hmm. So that's 6,000 doors. That's a key metric that investors or folks that may acquire your company look for in terms of distribution. Um, that Well, that's for my projection because um, in three years, I could be at 10 million if I'm in 6,000 doors. If I continue with QVC, um, if I get influencers and with online sales, I feel like I'm missing. Oh, I am missing one. Believe it or not, the promotional products industry, because click and carry can be customized. It could be made in any color and it could, you could put a logo on there. In fact, I made one for Lowe's and actually this product would be great if it sold, let's say with bare paint, they could put their logo on there and give it out for free when one buys two gallons of paint. So there's a lot of ways that this could be a profitable business. But surprisingly to me, I didn't expect Amazon or online sales to be as successful as it has been. That's been a surprise and I'm going to blame it on COVID, but I'm, I'm putting a lot of money into that right now because it's, it's been a real winner for me, shockingly. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know why a grocery store wouldn't buy them from you in wholesale, slap their logo on them and either give them out for free or as a promotion or just a, you know, maybe they break even on them at $5 just sitting by the cash register. 100%. In fact, right before the show, and I talked to the sharks about this, it didn't make it to air, but I was talking to Instacart. And ultimately, they said, no, I need to reapproach them because that was about a year ago. But I made a special click and carry for them with their logo, with their cute little carrot. And um, it's a natural because all of their delivery people are bogged down with all those those bags and and they hurt. So this would be not only a, um, a lifesaver for them, but it would be a great way for them to separate the different orders. And it would actually save them because when click and carry is worn over the shoulder, your back is the support system. So although the weight of the bags are no, no less, it feels like half the weight because your back is the one that is 
carrying all the weight. Yeah. So it's better than carrying it in an extremity. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned as you've followed along on this really 10 year journey, 10 years plus? Yeah. What are some of the takeaways or things that you can share with the entrepreneurs listening to this? Sure. So I would say a big takeaway is just go all in and I'll give you an example. I recently was, was, um, called about a position in neurology. And it, to me, it sounded like just an easy sell. It, there's this new watch that sends electrical current or stimulation to the brain. So if a person has essential tremor, they could wear this bracelet for 40 minutes and then sit down and have a meal and the velocity of their tremor is significantly less. To me, that's an easy sell. I know all of the players, all of the movement disorder specialists are my friends. It's great money. I would have insurance, a free car, but I decided I can't do it. This is the chance of a lifetime. Now that I have the exposure and I have this platform, now it's time to go all in. And um, and I'm actually going to be launching my second product, which is an extension to the Click and Carry in the next couple of weeks. It's fantastic. There's a uh, big lesson there. You you know you've had the discipline. You certainly have the vision the dream, and the, but most importantly, discipline to know this is the time I'm going all in. I'm burning the boats. I love it. <laughs> yep. I figure I have about a year. I did the math. I have about a year. I, I could actually extend that if I move home and maybe rent out my place here and move home with my family in Pennsylvania, then I'd have free labor there too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking about going home for a little bit and um, just, just going for it. I th- now's the time. This is, this is the chance of a lifetime. Well, with your professional background, if you need to get a job, you'll get a job, right? Yeah. It'll still be there in a year. It'll still be there in a year. Yep. And especially if I just rent out my place as opposed to selling it, you know, I could move back in and, and all those doctors are still my friends. Well, you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to figure all this out and, and grow the business pretty rapidly. Uh, for those that are listening to this, where is the best place for them to check out the product and buy it if they're interested? So the best place and easiest place would be Amazon.com, clickandcarry.com, and it's C-L-I-C-K-A-N-D-C-A-R-R-Y, even though my company is with the ampersand, clickandcarry.com, and then QVC.com. Well, that, that would be the easiest. We are... We're cheering for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I love your spirit. Uh, I love the fact that you've just been so scrappy. And I don't think entrepreneurs or I don't think people outside the entrepreneurial world understand what some of us have to go through. Nine iterations, several times knocking at the door, Shark Tank, um, having a deal but not having a deal, persisting, figuring things out, now taking the risk to go all in. Uh, I just think you're wonderful. I'm a big fan. And that's why we love these conversations because Kim, someone sees you on TV and they didn't know about the health struggles. They didn't know about the risk you took. They certainly didn't know about the, the rejections and, you know, they just think, Oh, this idea came to you one day and you built a prototype with all this money that you have sitting in the bank and you went to market and $625,000 of sales later, you popped up on Shark Tank and they think this stuff, is so easy, so quick, um, and it's not. And so we we appreciate your vulnerability because I think people need to understand how tough this stuff can be. Absolutely. And 
And I hope that your viewers know you can reach out to me. I'm glad to help. I always, I always like to give back because so many people helped me along the way. For example, I, on Sunday, I just, um, I just judged a competition at USC. I do it every year, a couple times a year. I love it because I'm able to give the entrepreneur some advice or help them along their path. And um, the funny thing is, as a result of the show, a lot of people have been sending me their invention ideas. And I think that I'm going to have an offshoot business because I love to hear good business ideas or good, good new inventions. And if it's something viable, I'm going to help them and help because now I know how to bring it to market. So I just need to rinse and repeat. So if there's an, an astounding new invention out there, I'm going to do whatever I can to help that person get it to market. Well, we're cheering for you. We appreciate you joining us and, and sharing all this great information and, and can't wait to follow your journey and all the success ahead. Thank you. And congratulations to the two of you. I am following you and I listened to all of your podcasts. Well, I, and I didn't, I didn't hear the one that you guys were on, but I listened to all of yours and I think they're fantastic. They're a lot of fun. Oh, and I wish you all the best with your business. Well, it's, it's easy when we get to talk to people like you. So thank you so much. We appreciate it, Kim. Thank you. Nice to meet you. What did we learn? We learned some stuff from Kim. Kim is a uh, tremendous entrepreneur, uh, not just an inventor, not just a dreamer, a great entrepreneur. So I have a couple things I want to bring to the table. I love post-game. I love these nuggets. Uh, first and foremost, this is another person that doesn't take no for an answer. And how many times do we see this in the in the world of entrepreneurialism, this great world that we're knee deep in? We see people willing to put themselves out there, fail, learn from it, fail forward. Failing forward is a term we use a lot. She failed forward. She uh, basically had nine iterations of the product itself, and she applied for the patent seven times. Wow. So I love that Kim would not take no for an answer. It makes her a hero in my book. She said, I can't say no. <laughs> so Not in her vernacular. Not, yeah, not in her, her way of thinking or speaking. So I just love that. I, I just, you know, there's, there's just one other thing I want to bring up in addition to that. Uh, but don't move too far off of that. You've got to be willing in this in this place, you know, we're dreamers, we're schemers. There's very few people that understand the mind and the heart of an entrepreneur. You have to actually be a hardcore entrepreneur to be able to make sense out of the risks we take, the out of balance, you know, work, personal life that we, the hours that we run sometimes, and our just our intense focus on things. You've actually got to be an entrepreneur to get another, uh, to get another entrepreneur to understand them. But don't move too far off of that. You've got to be willing to fail, fail forward, and fail forward many times. Got to be a pit bull. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, she, I've, I've got one other thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got one other thing. But there's I, more. There's more. She kept her cap table intact. She didn't go out raising crazy money, creating a lot of debt, putting a lot of debt on the back of the company. It's a lot easier <laughs> when you own the whole business. Yep. It's easier to raise money if you have to. It's easier to sell the damn thing when you want to get out. It's easier to get lending through the SBA. I mean, it's just... There are times to raise... People get lending... People get uh, raising capital happy. Yeah. And we're in a time right now, as as of the recording and airing of this, we're in a time where... 
venture money is plentiful. Money is uh, cheap and and it's out there. There's and a hopefully lot of, whenever you're listening to this, it still is. Yeah, and we, we don't <laughs> we don't know how that changes. But it there's here's a lesson. There's there's a time to raise and a time not to, and you have to figure that out. You have to be well advised and well thought out on those two scenarios. And if you're not sure, then don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> be careful. Yeah. All right, couple others. Uh, she went to this home show and. And she said, you, you have to get out there, right? You just can't sit around. I see so many people, Joe, and it doesn't matter if you're a sales professional or you're an entrepreneur, people just sit at their damn desk thinking things are going to happen. Yeah, what someone's going to call me. Gonna, oh, orders <laughs> are going to come in. Well, you haven't even set up a, a website yet. <laughs> yeah, but people think, uh, you know, ads are going to come, or, uh, you know, sales are going to come in and people are going to hit your inbox. You have to create the volume and velocity. It doesn't happen by waiting. So she got out there. She went to a home show. It's probably you know similar to many of the other stories we hear. I had a lousy booth in the corner. <laughs> it looked like garbage, but I was there. And I got some orders. Or I immersed myself in the industry and learned some things. Or I got a few business cards. You got some wins. I imagine Kim was walking the floor handing out product. That's right. <laughs> Talking people up. And then, you know, she said, just go all in. That was her quote. Just go all in. Um, you know, to me, it's like if you're going to do something, you do it. The riskiest thing you can do is half-ass something because you're not going to be successful. You know, you, you either, you're either in or you're out. And I think that, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have to decide that every day and, and just in our business in general. Are we in or are we not? You know, because you, you have to be all in. Yeah, I think of our, our Growth 10 uh, community and family uh, we put entrepreneurs together uh, in groups, high-performing mastermind peer advisory groups to really help each other with their opportunities, challenges, decisions, everything that is uh, in front of them on their desk. And to a person, to a man and a woman in our groups that we personally facilitate, I can't think of one person who I'd say, well, that person's not all in. The people that are kicking ass, the people that are scaling, the people that are uh, growing at the trajectory they want to, moving towards whatever's next, be it an exit or a partnership or, or taking chips off the table, they are all in. Yep. So if the idea of leading a group of entrepreneurs like that sounds interesting, growth10.com slash leader, growth10.com slash leader, uh, we have a lot of very talented practice leaders throughout the world that lead groups of entrepreneurs, all virtually, once a month, high performers in a room helping each other out. And if that work sounds interesting, part-time, full-time, um, we have a lot of different people that are really using this model to impact some really cool people. Yeah, and we're attracting a lot of subject matter experts that are already doing this work uh, informally and not monetizing it and really not having the kind of impact they could have if they were leveraging a, a structured platform. So, as always, every Tuesday, new episode. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Give us five stars on iTunes. And we'll see you next week on an all-new episode of Outside the Tank.